Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, that's where we're going to start today. It says in the book of Acts, chapter 3, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven, this is the heaven must he can't come. The heavens must receive him until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. There's lots and lots of great stuff here. You know, if, if you want refreshed, repent. You know, it's just... If you are having trouble feeling the presence of the Lord, and, and I'll, I'll, whatever, the, the, the word presence, glory, is a word, kabod, which means heaviness. You, you feel it. You feel it. And so if, I don't want to just come to church and, and have a little club here. I want, I want a divine encounter with the presence of the Lord. That's, that's, you know, I, that's, that's really what we're after. I mean, you know, uh, um, all, what, what's all this money we're spending and all this stuff that we're going through? It's just really so people can have an encounter with the presence of the Lord. And God can do more in a moment than we can do with all of our screaming and yelling and hooting and hollering. Just boom, God can fix that, you know. And so if, but if you're having trouble feeling the presence of God, there's an answer in the Bible. It's at a broken and a contrite heart he'll never despise. And, uh, or maybe it's to say broken and contrite spirit. It's harder spirit, same thing. You got to repent. If you want to f- sense him, repent. Repent and be converted. Don't just feel sorry for what you did. Change. <laughs> and times of refreshing will come from the presence. Remember what it says? In his presence, there's fullness of joy. The, the refreshing is in his presence, but the refreshing won't happen if you don't repent. And, and, and it says that he can't come. It doesn't say time, it says times. So there are obviously multiple things that have, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things. And it says all the prophets, I, near as I can tell, there are 40 um, men in the Bible referred to as a prophet. And uh, I never did do it. I always wanted to. But apparently, if you could go through the, the teachings of these 40 prophets, all of them dealt with this subject in one form or another. And so, it, it, you know, when it, when it talks about, you know, New Testament is restitution. The Old Testament counterpart is restoration. And you can't deal with this subject apart from Exodus chapter 22. Um, Israel, they're, they're farmers. They're farmers. And so a lot, we've been doing this on Wednesday night. It's, it's this, this farm animals, man. You've got the flocks, you've got the herds, you've got the fowl. And, and it's just, it, here's chapter 22 and verse 1. If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep, he's got to restore five oxen for an ox. It's a big deal, man. An oxen is like a tractor. It's, it's the most powerful piece of farm equipment they have. You steal somebody's ox, you just can't give them one back. you got to give five of them. If you steal a sheep, four for a sheep. And um, uh, me- me- remember, remember when, when Nathan came to David and was confronting him with his sin? And he said, there was a rich man who had lots of sheep. There was a poor guy who had one sheep. Traveler comes to the rich man. The rich man hops the fence, swipes the one sheep from his poor neighbor, feeds it to his guest. Guest leaves. Rich guy still got all everything he had. Poor guy got nothing. David, remember what David said? He said, I'll make, tell me who it is. I'll make him pay back four times, four times. And, and if you study the life of David, I'm convinced there are four occasions when he paid dearly for his sin. 
but, but it, it, it says in verse 9, for all manner of trespass, I don't care if it's an oxen, a donkey, a sheep, clothing, or any manner of lost thing. At the minimum, it says you've got to pay double, double. Now, there's a place in Proverbs where it said seven times you've got to pay it back. So it could be as much as seven, but it's never less than twice. And there's, there's this great analogy here because in the Old Testament, it's the thief that's got to do the restoring. But in the New Testament, it's the Lord that will restore what's been taken. And, and watch these examples. Here's Job. It says in Job 1 and verse 2, he's got seven sons, three daughters. Then it said he's got 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke or 1,000 oxen, 500 donkeys, great household. So if you know, he, he lost all of that. But Job knew something that all of his pals didn't. And it said he retained his integrity in the Lord. The book of Job is an amazing, it's, it's like, they, you know, it's like you ask Job, what's the worst thing that could ever happen to you? And he said, I think if God killed me and never told me why, but though he slay me, still going to trust him. So what's Satan going to do with a guy like that? I mean, this, I mean, the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? Is it possible? I mean, what kind of life do you have to live for the Lord to volunteer you for a trial? Job's got no say in this. The Lord said, hey, go ahead, pick on my boy here. <laughs> and, and, and here's the end. Here's Job 42. And the Lord blessed the latter end of Job. Remember, he's a restorer. More than his beginning. He had 7,000. Now he's got 14,000 sheep. He had 3,000, now he's got 6,000 camels. He had 500 yoke of oxen, now he's got 1,000, or he's got 2,000, because there's two, you know, in a yoke, and he's got 1,000 donkeys. And he's got seven sons and three daughters. And I've wondered for a long time, how come he didn't have 14 sons and six daughters? Greg Vandewater told me something just very recently. We were in prayer meeting, and he said, did you... Pastor Hoffman, he said, if what we preach is true, he never lost the first ones. We believe, said you're going to see David. It says you're going to see Abraham. It said the Lord himself is going to wipe the tear away. We're obviously going to know these people. So he really did get twice as many sons. And because if they die, the Bible said he was a righteous man in everything that he did. I'm taking for granted that his children were covered. And if that's the case, he's got twice of everything. He, remember Samson? He, he's in Delilah's barbershop, chapter 16. And, and in chapter 16 of Judges in verse 17, he finally cracks. And he said, okay, here's the deal. If you cut off my hair. He said, I'll be just like any other man. I don't know of a greater verse in the Bible about self-deception than that verse. I, I have a friend, Jeff Arnold, and, and he's so full of the Bible. And he, he told me something one time because I've been with him and he's, he's righteous. He's, he's just, the guy's clean, man. And he said, Hoff, I pray every day that I won't be deceived. And I said, why? He said, because you'll never know. <laughs> and here's Samson, who's so stupid. He believes if he loses his covenant with the Lord, the worst thing that can happen to him is he's just going to be like everybody else. When you have a covenant with the Lord and you walk away from that, you're not going to be like everybody else said, if you knew the will and didn't do it, you, you, you're not getting a slap on the wrist, dude. You're getting a belt on the behind. You're going to get many stripes. You put your hand to the plow and look back. I mean, look at Lot's wife. I, 
We, we, we're not told to remember because how pretty she was, how wealthy she was, how, many, how much education. She represents someone that looked back. And, and, and somewhere, somewhere out in that arid desert, there's a bump that, that, that used to be a woman. Said she's there to this day. And, and she don't look nothing like a wife and her mom now. It's time's worn that, that thing down. But somewhere, she's there. And, and, and so it says in verse 21, the Philistines put out his eyes. I, I can't imagine how horrible that had to have been. Did they, did they stick something hot in there? Did they, did, uh, I don't know. It's just horrendous to think that someone took out your eyes and, he, and, he's, and he's, he's shackled and he's, and he's like a, 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 a mule. He's grinding meal into, into flour. And I, my mom will get a kick out of this. My grandpa used to cut my hair. It was a horrible experience. He, he couldn't see. He would go down to the Woolworth store and he'd put glasses on. They had a rack. Here, buy your own glasses. Forget the podiatrist or whatever, the ophthalmologist or whatever. No, no, that's not the way it used to be. You go to Woolworth and for a buck, you try on glasses. Ah, oh, there we go. And that's where my grandpa always bought his glasses. And he was just a poor coal miner and, and he cut my hair. And it, was, it was a horrible experience. Every time he cut my hair, he cut my ears with them stupid, cheap. He had the, the most horrible hair clippers in the world. I think they used them to cut sheep. It was just, I just remember him cutting my ears and it bleeding. And I used to say, cut it long, Grandpa. And he had a finger that was all messed up. He said, you see that boy? He said, I can only cut him short. I can't make him longer. And uh, I never had any hair till the third grade. I still remember the day sitting in class and I had enough hair to curl. I, st I never had that before. It was always just gone, man, which kind of like it is now. But and I had enough to curl. And it was like, Grandpa, you ain't getting this. And I begged my mom. Finally, I had enough hair I could part it. Boy, I thought I was hot stuff. I had a part in my hair. I think of that as Samson grinding and all of a sudden having just enough to curl. And he starts to pray, oh God, could you restore me? Could you, could you, could you give me what I used to have? If you know the story, it says in Judges 16 and 30, he did more at the end of his life than he did all the rest of it put together. Why? Because God's a restorer. He's not just going to give you back what you lost. At the minimum, it's twice. I, 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 I've always been fascinated with with. Tabernacle of Moses, Temple of Solomon, Tabernacle of David, which very few people ever talked about. But if you're a student of the Bible, then please tell me how important is the Tabernacle of Moses? Because when there's 40 chapters in Exodus, the, 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 the first 19 are basically the, the exit from Egypt, you know. But starting in chapter 20, uh, 20 through 24 are the law. You know, chapter 20 is where the Ten Commandments are. And so you got five chapters, 20 through 24, but starting in chapter 25 of Exodus, through the end of the book, the entire chapter is dedicated to the tabernacle of Moses. I mean, he made the stars also. Five words in the creation account. People dedicate their whole lives to astronomy. Five words. I got 16 chapters in a row dedicated to the tabernacle of Moses. It's a big deal. And you'd need to study it. Because the Bible said in Hebrews, it was a pattern of things in heaven. And so, the, the, you know, it, you, you, you went, there were, you know, there was a gate. You went through the gate, and that got you in the outer court. Then you went through the door. That got you in the holy place. Then you went in the, through the veil. So you had a gate, a door, and a veil. And, and so you, you, you had to, we've got like 12 acres here. And so it, it, that 
the tabernacle of Moses, they had this white fence, linen fence, about 10 feet high that went around the whole perimeter of the piece of property it was on. But you go through this gate and you came to this big box, um, brass box. It, the, the, the altar was the biggest piece of furniture in the tabernacle plan. And there's lots of things you can learn from that. But the altar still needs to be the biggest thing in our lives. If you've got a life without an altar, get an altar. And you went past the altar and you came to this thing, looked like a big bird bath. Had water in the bottom, water in the top. The sides, the women had mirrors, which the Bible was, was, was copper that was polished. They, 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 gave, they donated their mirrors. And so there's a lot of things. You know, you look into the perfect law over liberty. You know, it's in the book of James that when you, it's a great picture of washing of the word that you ought to be able to see yourself in the word. And so you, you're, you're killing this animal. You got blood on your hands. They, they're washing their feet off. They're washing their hands off. And then you go to this tent. The tent is basically what I guess you would call the tabernacle. And the tent is, is, is broken into thirds. The, the first two thirds is called the holy place. You went through this door, and to your left was that menorah, that seven-tiered candlestick. And then to your right was a gold, fancy gold table. had had uh, looked like pancakes on it, showbread, it's called. In front of you was, was that imposing veil, and, and in front of the veil was this table, and incense was beautiful. They were called apothecaries. Old Testament druggist, and they, 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 they would take sap and resins and roots and flowers and mix it in this concoction because outside they're burning flesh all day long, stinks out there. But inside smells amazing. And, 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 and these women have taken golden thread and sewn gold angels into the ceiling. And, and that candlestick is throwing this, this light in this room. And it smells amazing. It's a great picture of serving God. Looking at it from the outside, it, it can look pretty rough. But boy, when you get on the inside, it's a good deal. It smells better. It's a better way to live. And, and, and so you go through the veil, and that's the back third of the tent. It's called the Holy of Holies. Watch. I, here, here, here's, here's, this is Exodus 26 and verse 16. Ten cubits shall be the length of a board, and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of one board. Um, people, the, what's a cubit? Um, it's an ancient measurement that they said was basically the length of a forearm from your, from your elbow to the end of your biggest, longest finger. Uh, I can't prove this, but I personally think it depended on who the carpenter was. And uh, if you had a carpenter that had a longer forearm, you got a bigger house. And, uh, it, but it, it's, it's generally considered to be about 18 inches. Now, I've messed with wood for a while, and, and, and I've always had a love affair going on with wood. This thing's a cubit and a half wide, which, which means it's a board 26 inches wide. <laughs> That's an amazing board, trust me. You, you go down to Home Depot, just, just get a 1 by 12, and look how that to get one 26 inches wide is, wow, that, that's an amazing piece of wood. But it tells us how long they are. The boards are 10 cubits long. So if a cubit's 18 inches, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're, you're talking about 18 feet. And so, is that right? 10. 18 inches times 10 is, how much is that? 10, 15 feet long. So, they have these sockets. I wish I had time to teach this to you because the tabernacle of Moses was an amazing, but the tabernacle of Moses, there's one thing obviously missing from it. It's got no floor. The floor is dirt. Which means your nose could be in Shekinah, but you better never forget you're still in dirt. I don't care how much Holy Ghost you got. You still got this to deal with, okay? Don't forget you got feet of clay, all right? So the boards, they had these sockets. That was their footers. 
but they didn't dig it in the ground. They put these silver U-shaped things on the ground. Silver's very heavy, and that's what they stuck the board in, but the boards didn't go sideways. The boards went up and down. So if it's 10 cubits long, I know how high the Holy of Holies was. It's 10 cubits high. I, I don't want to bore you with all the details, but I can prove to you biblically, not only was it 10 cubits high, but the Holy of Holies was 10 cubits wide. And it was 10 cubits deep. So it's a cube, 10 by 10 by 10. But then you got Solomon's temple. And this is what it says in 1 Kings, because oracle is another name for Holy of Holies. Here's 1 Kings 6 and 19. And the oracle he prepared in the house within to set there the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And the oracle in the forepart was 20 cubits in length and 20 cubits in breadth and 20 cubits in the height thereof. And he overlaid it with gold. Watch. I don't want to spill this. I have a really bad reputation for spilling this. Watch. This is really cool. This is 10 by 10 by 10. This is the Holy of Holies in Moses' tabernacle. You've got to use your imagination. <laughs> 10 cubits wide, 10 cubits deep, 10 cubits high. But in the Temple of Solomon, it's 20 cubits wide, which means I got to have twice as much to get the front. And it's 20 cubits high, and it's, it's 20 cubits deep. It says the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former. That's what it says. That's Haggai. <laughs> and it, it, it's very obvious what they were talking about. To, to them, the former house was the tabernacle of Moses, but the latter house is the temple of Solomon. But to us, the former house is Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. We're the latter house. It's eight times as much. <laughs> so what do you want? You want this or you want this? God is a restorer. The best thing I can find in the Bible is seven. We get eight. <laughs> I, I want to be in the church. I want to be in the church. Right, here, this is Haggai. Haggai chapter two. Now, I, I, I can't remember the, the translation. You know, there's lots of different trans, NIV and message and King James and New King James and all I found one, it's like the English Orthodox, so I wish I would have written it down. But here's Haggai 2 and 19. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth. From this day I will bless you. Here's what it, I'm, 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 I'm doing my best to give you my, my translation. It, it, it's saying, I don't care. If all of your grapevines are withered, I, if there's not one fig on the fig tree, not one pomegranate on the pomegranate tree, not one olive on the olive trees, if none of your fruit trees have any fruit, he said, starting today, I'm going to bless you. You know, that, you know, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together. Let me, let me give you what it goes in these minor prophets. The Lord said, if I get a piece of a tail... Or an ear. I, 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 I was hunting several years ago and I shot a, a deer with, a, with, my, with my bow. Well, if you're an archer, you know, you don't just get down and chase deer. You give it about 30 minutes to go expire. 
Usually happens very quick, but you gotta wait. Because if you don't want to jump something that's not quite dead because it'll run a long ways and you might not find it. So you usually wait 30 minutes or so. So I shoot this deer and I knew I had a good shot. I could see the blood trail from the tree. I'm waiting and all of a sudden I see something moving and it's a coyote. And he's the alpha. He's, he's leading a whole pack. He's just coming down through the woods, just, just be bopping around. And all of a sudden he, he smells that blood trail and he goes, and he just took off, and the whole pack take off, going down this blood trail of my deer. And so I'm jumping out of the tree as fast as I can. It wasn't long, 10 minutes at the most. By the time, I, I didn't have to wonder where the deer was, because they'd stopped out there, and they were, it, was, it was just vicious what was going on. By the time I got there, there's, there's the tail, there's some hide, the head's still there, a couple feet. They just ate it all. Yeah, oh. Thank God for church have hunters in it, you know. We had a lady years ago came here from PETA, the people for the ethical treatment of animals, and she wanted to have a meeting with me in my office. So we go in there. I got deer. I got a dead pig. Missionaries gave me snakes. I had ducks. She's just gone crazy, man. <laughs> I said, you worship the creature more than a creator. She didn't like that. We hug trees, save whales, and we've aborted enough kids to populate Canada. It's nuts. Hands that shed innocent blood. It's crazy. And so the enemy will just try and just give you such despair. This is what the Lord says. You got an ear left? How about a tail? The king's horses and the king's men can't do it, but they're not the king. The king can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I've seen God restore people and rebuild people, and I wouldn't have given you five cents for them. And all of a sudden, they're great saints of God right now. And it, Todd, Todd Hill told me a great story a while ago. We, 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 <laughs> we, he said he went to the bank. And, and the, the, the lady said, oh, honey, we're so delighted that you bought that house. She said, that skunk that used to live there, they had wild parties. He'd be drunk on the porch, beer cans everywhere, every weekend. What a mess ever since you've moved in. It's just been wonderful to have you for a neighbor. He said, Pastor, I didn't have the heart to tell her. It was the same guy. I was the guy that used to have the parties. I was the guy that couldn't get in the house and I'd fall asleep drunk on the porch. <laughs> I've seen God do things. I could give you stories in this church that I've seen God just put things together. There wasn't a, there wasn't a chance it was going to happen, but it happened. Too many things go on in church that can be explained. We want things to go on in church that can't be explained. We want people to step back and say, only God could have done that. There's this amazing story in the book of Kings, or 2 Samuel, rather. I'll read it to you. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king and had neither dressed his feet nor trimmed his beard nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. And in and, and verse 25, he said, Mephibosheth, why didn't you leave with me? And he said, King, my servant deceived me. And, 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 and he slandered, verse 27, he slandered me. But, but, but I'm so glad you're here. Here's the story. David's got an... A, a spoiled, entitled son by the name of Absalom. And he's going to kill his dad. David being the king, he could have killed that boy, but it's his boy. So being the kind of guy that he was, and this is one of those four times when he had to pay, he abandoned the palace. And he's basically running for his life. If, if you remember the story of Saul, who didn't get rid of all the Amalekites, Nathan, or the, the prophet, it, wasn't, it was, it was um, Samuel, told him, 
at just as I've torn your garment, I'm taking your dynasty from you and there'll be none left of the house of Saul. And when David becomes king, he says, is there anybody of Saul's house left? And they go, yeah, but you're not gonna like it. And they brought in this limping grandson by the name of Mephibosheth. And it said, David let him sit at his table all of his life, which is kind of cool, because if, if, if you're sitting at the table of the king, I would assume the king's table has a really nice tablecloth. So if you're sitting at the king's table, all of your imperfections are covered. And Mephibosheth loves David. And he realizes what Absalom's trying to do. He's doing the best he can. He's going to need some deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrush, a couple pairs of socks, get him some shirts. He's about to leave, and his servant Ziba says, look, you're lame. You're not going to be able to do this quick enough. He's in a hurry. Give it to me. I'll give it to David and tell him it's from you. And Mephibosheth says, okay, sure. Well, guess what? Ziba's a lion. He's a very bad guy. He takes credit and said, here you go, king. I packed you some stuff. I know you're in a hurry. I got bad news for you. Mephibosheth has joined up with your son Absalom, and he wants you dead. Breaks David's heart. Mephibosheth, you know, catches hair in a tree. Joab kills him. David's coming back to the palace now. And soon as he gets there, who's the first one to greet him but Mephibosheth? And obviously, he was very fastidious about his wardrobe and the way he looked. But not today. He doesn't have shoes on. He didn't shave. His clothes are dirty. His hair is not well done. And it said he hasn't done any of this personal grooming ever since David left. And David sarcastically says, ah, nice for you to finally show up. Where you been? And Mephibosheth said, listen, my servant lied to you. And he slandered me. And I... I don't know who you believe, him or me. I just want you to know, I'm so glad you're back. And so David does something amazing. Let's see if I can find it. It's, it's 2 Samuel 19 and 29. This is what David said. Remember that story about Solomon dividing the baby? Solomon learned that from David. Because here's 2 Samuel 19 and 29. David looks at Mephibosheth. He said, well, if your servant's been that... But took, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to divide your inheritance. Remember I told you I was going to give you an inheritance just like one of my boys? We're going to divide the inheritance, and I'm going to give half of your inheritance to, to your servant, Zeba, which is a big windfall for the servant, but it's a 50% cut in pay to Mephibosheth. What's Mephibosheth's answer? It's in 19 and verse 30. He said, let him have it all. He said, I'm just glad you're back. I'm just glad to be in your presence. <laughs> and David knew immediately who was telling the truth. What's it like to just be in such, it's just, what's, to finally come back into the presence of the Lord? I remember going through all this foolishness that we went through. Boy, you got to be careful for me not to get sidetracked with all this. I, my friend Arthur Hodges just argued in front of the Supreme Court, the real Supreme Court, not California, the real one. And, and this is what they, they're asking, why should we lift these restrictions? And, why, and he said, take the spiritual aspect of it away. He said, we have minimized the value that churches bring emotionally and mentally to people. He said, these people are afraid. These people are depressed. He said, churches lift people up. You feel better after you went to church. I agree. 
Okay? I'm not saying this virus ain't real. I, uh, I had that thing, and many of you had it. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it isn't real. I'm not saying people didn't die. Let me give you a crazy statistic. 200,000 people die every year from the flu and pneumonia. Every year. Not this year. Magically, nobody's died from flu or pneumonia. But we've had 320,000 people die from virus. So my way of looking at it, knock 200 grand off of it. Because you're going to have 200 die every year from pneumonia and flu. So 125. Now it's a lot of people not... I'm just saying these numbers have been weaponized. We have people that won't come to church. Now they go to the grocery store, which is one of the best places to get the virus. Not keep it. They're still going to the grocery store. I, I'm dealing with people and, I'm, and it's like, okay, uh, your marriage is on the rocks. You're spiritually dead. Business is struggling. Congratulations, you didn't get the virus. More worried about physical death than dying spiritually. I mean, <laughs> I'll talk to you. I got a great message for next week, and I can't get sidetracked with it right now. I just remember going through months of getting up here all by myself and talking to that stupid camera. <laughs> My friend Artie Hodges argued in front of, of, of California Supreme Court, and they said, why should we lift these restrictions? He said, because we believe water baptism is an aspect of salvation. And they said, your point is? He said, I can't baptize anybody online. They got to be there. <laughs> I just remember the first service when we came back after staying away. It was like... It, it, it was like going to a family reunion and, and finding out you had all these brothers and sisters and cousins that you never even knew. Man, we were hugging and laughing. It was so good. Just, it, but take that aspect away. How would it feel like to, be, to come into the presence of your creator and go, <gasps> you don't have to give me anything. I'm just glad to be around you. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Forget about the perks and the per diems and all this, all the blessing stuff. Just being with him. The Bible said if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. So then what do you get if you hang out with life? What do you get if you hang out with the Prince of Peace? If I just hang out with another brother, I get a benefit. But what's it like to walk and talk and commune? With him. <laughs> oh, I, 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 need, I need a hush. Here, here's, 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 here's a story that, that always fascinated me. The, the priest in the Old Testament. Here, here's Exodus 28 and verse 30. I'm almost done. Thank you for listening. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and Thummim. And they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. If you know your Bible, they go into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. When they come out of captivity, records were destroyed when they were taken captive many years ago. And so there's all these guys. Where, where's it at? It's here, it's Ezra, Ezra chapter 2 and verse 63. And Tirshatha, who was the high priest, said unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and Thummim. And, and what it is, there's 1,044 guys here. 392 from one family, 652 from another family. And they're all saying, we got licensed with the UPC, except we lost our fellowship card. And the UPC headquarters burned down. And you're just going to have to trust us. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. We're, we're going to have to figure out, are you a real priest or not? So this is what it said. He consulted the Urim and the Thummim. And people have argued for years, what in the world was it? I'm going to tell you what it was. It was two rocks, a black rock and a white rock. 
Because behind the breastplate of the priest was this pouch. And when he didn't know what to do, he would stick his hand behind the breastplate. They, 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 looked, they, they felt the same, so, they, so he couldn't distinguish them. By, by, but he had to pick one, and when he brought it out, it's either black, which is no, or white, which is yes. And you say, why are you telling me this? Listen to this verse in Revelation 2 and verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white rock. <laughs> and in the stone a new name. Do you get what this is saying? I, I, I'm trying to explain. Uh, first of all, he's a restorer. Okay? If, if you've walked away from the Lord, you can come back. All right, you can come back. And you don't have to be on parole and probation for six months. Not only can you get back what you lost, God will restore you and give you even better stuff than you had. All right, I, I believe that very, 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 very strong. I, I believe God can put things back together. But I want, I'm trying to help you understand the value of, of being in the presence of the Lord. That, 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 that just just to be with him and 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 it says this if you ever have to wonder does he want you or not let me give you the answer you got a white rock he's saying yes all ye that are weary and heavy laden i want you don't stay away come to me i'll give you rest take my yoke upon you you ever seen a yoke a yoke's got two hoops in it not one two and that's what's cool we're in the yoke we're in the harness with jesus trust me he's doing the heavy lifting he's doing the heavy pulling we have the benefit to be in the yoke with someone that can take our burdens on him can take our sin on him he can take that he that knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be the righteousness of god in him there is an invitation that's just going out wide. Come on, come on. Yeah, but I did this. Come on. Come. You don't understand. I meant, come on, come on. But, but Lord, I, 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 oh, Jesus. I deal with people who deal with too much guilt and condemnation. Listen to me. Condemnation is of Satan. Conviction is of the Lord. Here's the difference. Condemnation says, you're bad. You, you don't even hang around. Don't even go to church. Don't even think. They, I've given this example over the years. We could have the greatest service in the history of Pentecost. Walk out that door. Do you really think Satan's going to look at you and say, I don't want you right now. I'm going to give you a mandatory 10-day cooling off period. I'll talk to you a week from Wednesday. Okay? Because you're, you're way too clean. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, he tempted Jesus into garden. All right, I'm in, your, in your greatest spiritual encounter, Satan will take you right there. Why then, when we mess up, do we think the Lord doesn't want us? Why do we think we gotta jump through hoops and do all this stuff so that we can qualify? Listen to me very carefully. If Satan will take you at your best, Jesus will take you at your worst. Stand, stand with me. I don't, I don't care what, just if, if there's, you gotta be able to try the spirits. Listen to the voices. Listen to what's talking to you. There's two storms in the Bible. One storm, Jesus said, don't be afraid, it's me. The next storm, he said, be of good cheer, it's all right. If you're in a storm and you're hearing anything other than that, it's not him. All right? You're in a storm, he's going to say, it's me, I'm really here, I'm with you. Don't be afraid, it's going to be okay. That's the voice of your master. And I, uh, condemnation drives you from God. Conviction drives you to God. Let the conviction of the Lord, if you messed up, just look at it and say, if you were here Wednesday, remember what Paul said, I fight not as one that beateth the air. Did you ever see anybody play air guitar? You want to see me play the piano when I'm driving my truck. It's like Liberace, man. I'm really good at it. Then why didn't I play last Sunday at the Christmas musical? Because that don't translate 
to that. Paul said, I'm not going to fight as one. Did you ever see people? Shadow box. This is what Paul said. I'm not wasting my time on beating the air. If I throw a punch, I'm going to hurt him. I'm going, I'm going. That's what you got to do to Satan. All right? Listen, I've been hunting for years, man. I saw a deer one time 300 yards away. It was a long shot. Bam! If you hit air with a gun, it sounds like this. If you hit a rock, it goes wing. But boy, when you hit meat, it goes boom. And that's what you want to do in prayer and worship. You got to, don't you understand? Satan's lazy. He's lazy. He's got more than enough people just going to roll over and play dead. Resist. Resist the devil. It doesn't say he'll casually walk away. He will run. Why? He doesn't want to fight. He's lazy. So we're going to resist him. And we're going to magnify him. This is very, very vital. Why? You already did it. It's Christmas. Okay? You're tired. You're, we're all broke. <laughs> we're, oh, man. When that credit card comes in February, oh, man. Buying stuff sometimes for people that don't even like me. He <laughs> came to church today. The enemy said, stay home. For goodness sake, stay home. My precious wife has just wore herself completely out. And I told her, you ever heard of a papal dispensation? That's when the Pope gives you a pass. I gave my wife a papal dispensation. I said, baby, your war slap out. Just sit still for a day. Okay. So all of a sudden I see her walk in here. And she just smiled. She said, can't do it. Just can't do it. And I love her for that. Here you are in church. Do you have any idea what this did to the enemy? Because you know he did everything he could to keep you away from here. And here you are. Boom. Ow! We're not shadow boxing. This is not a practice lap. Okay? This is the real deal. We only we don't believe in reincarnation. We're not gonna die and come back. This is it. This is our one shot, our one chance. Please understand what I'm trying to convey to you. Don't ever feel like the Lord doesn't want you, doesn't have time for you, doesn't need all your grief and all your... No, 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 no. All ye that are weary, piled up with all kinds, heavy laden. Come here. I'll give you a rest. If you can, get out of it. Come with me around the altar. In Jesus' name. Have to touch anybody out. Put your mask on. We'll do our best to be nice people. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Just by you getting out of that pew, you're making an effort to show the enemy, I'm moving today. Oh boy. I'm, I'm, I'm moving. I'm changing address. I'm changing, I'm changing location. I'm, 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 Bible said Peter and John went up to the temple to pray. When you do this, you're going up. You're never going down, okay? Let's magnify him right now together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for an eightfold blessing. I thank you, God, for the privilege to know you and to walk with you and to work with you. That we're not just working for you. Your word says they went forth everywhere and preached the word, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Lord, I know most of these people, but some of them I don't know. But it doesn't matter if I know them or I don't. You know them more. These, I haven't shed blood for anybody in this room. You love these people more than I could ever, ever even hope to try and love them, Lord. And I'm asking you right now for an awareness and a revelation to come inside of our heart. Jesus loves me. Jesus wants me around him. And every time I'm around him, I feel better. Every time I'm around him, things go better. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, for a, for a desire, a fresh desire inside of every one of our hearts to just hang out with you on a more regular basis. I'm asking you, Lord, for my family. 
I'm asking you for my family. I dedicated my kids to you when they were babies. I'm asking you, God, to protect my family. I just moved into a house. I want it to be a clean place, Lord. Your word says if I bring an abomination into the house, the whole house becomes an abomination. Jesus, I don't want to be that guy that hid something in his tent and brought chaos and judgment on his family. I'm reaching for every dad. I'm reaching for every man. The priests of the house right now, Lord. America's weak because America's got weak churches. Churches are weak because they have weak families. Families are weak because they got weak daddies. I'm asking you, Lord, fix the dad problem. Fix the father problem. Give me the men in this room right now that will consecrate themselves afresh and anew to ascend 